Christmas Day is usually a time of rest and if you see the news, it's most likely in the background while you're making dinner or after a movie when everyone is too full and lazy to grab the remote. But news does still happen on Christmas Day and some major world events have fallen on the 25th of December. Let me explain. Let me explain with Sean Defoe, a News Talk original. Welcome to the podcast and don't forget to give me a bit of a Christmas present and hit follow wherever it is you're listening and if you're feeling extra nice share the good word about the show to your friends your family even your enemies after all tis the season for me as someone who works in news I always try to completely switch off at Christmas get away from social media get away from what's going on like for me the news coming on on Christmas Day is a bit like an accountant checking a spreadsheet at Christmas dinner because I can't just look at it without thinking, you know, why did they phrase something like that? Where's the camera angle going? What's the audio quality like? It just becomes work in the background. But down through history, there's been a surprising amount of big moments which have happened on December 25th. So let's take a bit of a look back through time. We're going to start with the Romans. And I hear you saying, what have the Romans ever done for us? And what have they ever given us in return? The aqueduct? Oh, yeah, yeah, they did give us that. That's true, yeah. And the sanitation. Yeah, all right, I'll grant you, the aqueduct and the sanitation are two things the Romans have done. And the roads? Well, yeah, obviously not roads. I mean, the roads go without saying, don't they? But apart from the sanitation, the aqueduct and the roads... Irrigation? Education? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all right, fair enough. And it's safe to walk in the streets at night now, Reg. Yeah, they certainly like to keep order. All right, but apart from the sanitation, the medicine, education, wine, public order, irrigation, roads, a fresh water system and public health, what have the Romans ever done for us? Well, the Romans also gave us the first recorded occasion of Christ's birth being celebrated on the 25th of December. We take so much of our calendar from Roman times, including that date. Like a lot of pagan cultures, the Romans celebrated the winter solstice around that time, which is part of why it was used for Christianity to mark the birth of Jesus as the 25th. It sort of fit in with already existing celebrations, and it's something that you could argue about with saints as well. St. Bridget, for example, there was a pre-Christian god in Ireland called Bridget, and so some wonder whether St. Bridget was a development of that, or maybe was the name picked symbolically, for example, to make it more comfortable for pagans to convert. If they've already worshipped a deity called Bridget, would they follow a Christian Bridget? That's a bit of a digression, but you kind of see what I'm talking about with the, the date being important when you are trying to convert people. The first Roman emperor to convert to Christianity was called Constantine. The story goes that the night before a battle, he had a vision of a cross and the words, in this sign, conquer. He won the battle and attributed it to God, converting himself and over time the Roman Empire to Christianity. The Romans already celebrated a festival called Saturnalia, which in turn then became Christmas. Let's fast forward 464 years, where we are following the life of a man called Charlemagne. In fact, there's a massive building dedicated to him in Brussels, in the heart of the diplomatic quarter, near where the European Commission is headquartered. So when you see Michal Martin or Leo Varadkar doing interviews from European Council summits, they're literally just across from the Charlemagne building. 
He's known as the father of Europe because he was the first man to unite the countries of Europe under one king since the fall of the Roman Empire. And mostly he did that through military campaigns, converting people to Christianity as he went. And for this great act of conquest and conversion, Pope Leo III gave Charlemagne a very nice title indeed. He was crowned the first Holy Roman Emperor at St. Peter's Basilica in Rome in the year 800 on the 25th of December. Another important world leader was crowned on Christmas Day. This time we head to England and the year 1066. William, Duke of Normandy, picked up the moniker William the Conqueror when he defeated Harold II at the Battle of Hastings. And that was actually quite an upgrade from his previous title, with many knowing him at the time as William the Bastard, because he was the product of an affair. After winning at Hastings, he began his 21-year rule when he was crowned at Westminster Abbey on the 25th of December. And you can still see some of his work today, actually actually, as both the imposing Tower of London and Windsor Castle were built during his reign. The current King Charles and former Queen Elizabeth II are also considered direct descendants of William the Conqueror. And in carrying out the heavy task that has been laid upon me, and to which I now dedicate what remains to me of my life, I pray for the guidance and help of Almighty God. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. What you might not have known is that his flagship sank on Christmas Day. Having been awake for almost two days, Columbus went to his quarters to sleep. The navigator he left in charge also decided it was time for a bit of shut-eye, leaving just a cabin boy at the helm. Said boy failed to notice the currents were pulling the ship towards the sandbank until it was too late. The Santa Maria was well and truly stuck. Realising the situation, Columbus ordered the crew to strip the ship of its timbers and bring it ashore before it sank. He used those timbers to build a fort, the first European fort in the New World, built in Haiti, modern-day Haiti, and after the day that was in it, he named the fort La Navidad. Feliz Navidad, everyone. Now let's take a further journey in time to the year 1776 and the American Revolution. There's a famous painting of this moment, George Washington standing one knee bent at the prow of a boat being rowed across the Delaware River. And you've probably seen it even if you don't really realise that you've seen it. It was another cold winter and with provisions and morale running low, Washington knew he needed a big win. On Christmas morning, he guided a force across the Delaware River into New Jersey and attacked the town of Trenton which was held by German mercenaries working for the British. The surprise attack and win gave the morale boost and bolstered Washington's reputation and has probably grown even more in the retelling, becoming something of a symbol of American patriotism. We fast forward now to another war, World War One. It started in July 1914 and most of the young men who packed their bags and shipped out were told the war would be over by Christmas. It most certainly wasn't, and the British and German men, mostly young men, found themselves living in trenches, each trying to push the other further back in a brutal war of attrition. But on Christmas Day in 1914, something pretty remarkable happened, an unofficial ceasefire. I think it's best told by the people who were there, speaking to the British Imperial War Museum and the BBC. We were in the front line. We were about 300 yards from the Germans, and we had, I think, on Christmas Eve, we'd been singing carols and this, that, and the other. And the Germans had been doing the same. And we'd been shouting to each other. 
sometimes rude remarks, more often just joking remarks. Eventually, a German said, tomorrow, you no shoot, we no shoot. Well, I was on duty around about 11 o'clock. And all of a sudden, I saw lights all along the German trenches, all coming up there, they were in sort of Christmas trees, and they started singing Christmas carol. They sang a silent night. Heilige Nacht. And after that, somebody, come over, Tommy, come over. And they still thought it was a trap. We all called the other chaps who were sleeping, called them to come along and look at this. And they all came there and we started singing carols too. And one of the Germans said, Tommy, you come over here. And we said, no, Fritz, you come and see us. And anyway, we were, the singing went on for quite a long time. Some of us went over at once and they came to this barbed wire fence between us, which was hung by, uh, hung with empty bully beef tins to make a rattle if they came. And very soon we were exchanging gifts. Some of the soldiers sent the news home with pictures and it began to make the newspapers. My father was delighted to have a giving such a description of events and he sent, it, sent them up to the Daily Telegraph. I got him to fight for a rocket. That showed up that it must have been me who wrote it. And he, Mossy, got hold of me, gave me an awful dressing down for daring to write to the press. But of course I didn't. <laughs> My old man wrote to the press. There are stories that not only did these soldiers exchange drink and cigarettes and food, singing and talking and joking, but that even a game of football was played between the trenches, though there's some doubt about whether that actually happened, given all the barbed wire and other hazards that were in no man's land. Then after a ceasefire which lasted hours in some parts and a day in others, they went back to trying to kill each other. It's sort of a remarkable moment in history. You know, you've got men who, yeah, okay, they were fighting a war... But at that stage, it wasn't necessarily their war. Like, as with all, or most wars, certainly, it was people far away who were making the big calls and then just a real human moment, I suppose, in the midst of all the killing. I also find it interesting that that ceasefire was never repeated. It didn't happen every year in the war. It didn't happen again. That was the only time it's recorded in the very first year of the war. And, of course, World War I got worse. It got more brutal, more personal, more unforgiving. And I think maybe an element of humanity was lost after that, which made the 1914 Christmas ceasefire something we'll probably never see the likes of again. From something that seemed otherworldly to something literally out of this world, the Apollo 8 mission in 1968 launched with three astronauts circling the moon ten times and broadcasting images back down to Earth, including pictures of the dark side of the moon. On Christmas Day, they ignited boosters to send them back down to Earth, but not before sending a holiday message back. We are now approaching uh, lunar sunrise, and uh, for all the people... Back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and divided the light from the darkness. That mission helped pave the way for the moon landings, which happened just seven months later. 
now to 1989 and Romania. The country had been under communist rule for 42 years, 21 of those under dictator Nicolae Ceausescu. Obsessed with paying off the country's foreign debt, he pursued austerity policies while spending lavishly on vanity projects, including a literal palace for himself. In December 89, a revolution began, initially violently quashed by Ceausescu's orders, but they flared up again across the country with locals remembering the streets being literally covered in blood. Many people are still seeking justice and trying to find out who killed relatives and loved ones during the revolution. Ceausescu and his wife Alina, who was Deputy Prime Minister, were captured on the 22nd of December. Dan Voina was one of those who cross-examined them during a short trial and spoke to Deutsche Welle. Ceausescu was a dictator. If you consider all the atrocities he committed, I'd say only one charge was possible. Crimes against humanity. And there's only one punishment for that. On December 25th, Nikolai and Elena Ceausescu were executed by firing squad, marking the end of communist rule in the country. That would precipitate just two years later the fall of the Soviet Union. He said his action was inevitable. After six and a half years in power, Mikhail Gorbachev confirmed his resignation on television tonight. On December 25th, Mikhail Gorbachev resigned as the leader of the Soviet Union. By that stage, the house had been well and truly falling down around him. Just a few days earlier, 11 Soviet states had agreed to dissolve the Union and sought independence. And on the 25th of December 1991, the hammer and sickle flag was lowered over the Kremlin for the final time, leaving Boris Yeltsin as president of the new Russian state. Some of the other bits quickly that have happened on Christmas Day. Isaac Newton was born, inventor so-called, at least, of gravity. Charlie Chaplin died on Christmas Day. NASA's James Webb Telescope was launched on December 25th, 2021. And there's been a lot of film releases as well on Christmas Day, including To Kill a Mockingbird and The Wolf of Wall Street. And maybe keep this in mind when you're giving presents. On December 25th in 1957, Ringo Starr was given his first ever drum set. So there you go, where you can go with a Christmas present. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to follow and share Sean Defoe presenting and researching this week with editor John Kyo and Lachlan Hart on sound. Have a very, very Merry Christmas and I'll chat to you next week.